Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. I also encourage you to check out our other podcast, and I do once again want to highlight the old time radio snack wagon which just had its first episode released you can subscribe over at snackwagon.net and make sure that you never miss another episode that's snackwagon.net and you can find all of our other podcasts over at uh, the great detectives of old time radio site at greatdetectives.net now it is time for this week's yours truly johnny dollar serial we will be playing episodes one and two today and episodes 3 through 5 on Friday. So here now is The Little More Matter from March 26th and 27th, 1956. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken, Johnny, returning your call. Oh, hi, Pat. How's Southern California? My vacation on expense account, I love it. Well, don't overdo it. Just because the Jolly Roger matter interfered with that vacation you'd planned is no Now, wait a minute. You promise. Full expenses. (laughs) Okay. When are you coming back to Hartford? Soon as I clear up the Lamar case. Want okay expenses on it now? Huh? Lamar? Yeah, Pat. This is a case that'll make your hair curl. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Lamar matter. Expense account? Ah, forget it. I'm on vacation. As far from Hartford, Connecticut, center of the insurance business as I can get. Yeah, I'm in La Jolla, California. And I'm staying in a big, ritzy motel called El Crescenta. Alone. Oh... There is a girl down here. A lot of them, in fact. But one in particular. Bonnie Lamar, her name is. Sounds like somebody in show business, doesn't it? But she isn't. Tall, five feet eight, brunette, pretty as the devil. And I gave her the line that my so-called business back east consists of nothing more exciting than running a filling station. How can you afford to come all the way out here to California for a vacation? To say nothing of staying at the El Crescenta. Rich uncle, Vonnie. Died and left me a couple of thousand to do with as I see fit. This is the way I see fit. Only a couple of thousand. Mm-hmm. Gee, that's too bad. A couple of hundred thousand, I might really fall for you. Oh, Vonnie, how can you? Hmm? Here I thought these last three days and evenings with you were due solely to my overwhelming personal charms. Your charm has nothing to do with it. Kiss me again, anyhow. 
with money around, who needed a couple of hundred grand? Yeah, the gal was just about all anyone could ask for. And I don't mean for just a quick vacation time romance. I'd spotted her the minute I'd landed here at this hotel. More like a guest ranch by the seashore. Beautiful, modern cottages set around a big green lawn with a swimming pool in the center big enough for the Olympics. Carports beside the cottages loaded with Eldorados, Continentals, and a handful of foreign sports jobs. And a beautiful big dining room and a building set up to look like an old clipper ship. And food and service worthy of Oscar of the Waldorf. And what was I doing here? On expense account, remember? Yeah, I'd spotted Vani the night I arrived from San Diego after clearing up the Jolly Roger matter and set my sights for her immediately. Naturally, I wondered what so attractive a girl was doing alone here. She cleared that up for me at dinner the second night. I still don't understand why Daddy hasn't arrived yet. Oh? He's supposed to join you on this vacation? We always spend our vacations together. At least we have since Mother died a few years ago. You're an only child? Yes. Really, a foster child. Just as we were about to take our plane, some crisis or other arose at the plant. So he made me come along and wait for him. Lamar Metal Products. Lamar Metal... Oh, yeah, yeah. Aircraft components, isn't it? South Bend, Indiana? Yes. You know how crisis can arrive in a business like that. Sure, I imagine so. Government orders, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you'll probably hear from him before. Oh. Hey, waiter, would you like to get a... Senorita, a telegram for the lady. Oh? Excuse me, Johnny. Sure. Here you are, Pedro. Gracias, senor. Oh, dear. What's the matter? It's from my father, and I don't like it. Listen. Must delay departure a few more days. Doctor's orders. Nothing to worry about. Stay there in La Jolla until I join you, love Daddy. That's too bad. But doctor's orders. There's nothing wrong with Daddy. He had a new insurance examination just a month ago. They gave him a clean bill of health. Uh, what company? Try mutual something or other, but what difference does it make? There's something wrong about this. I'm sure of it. Why don't you phone him? Yes. Yes, I will. My cottage is right next door here. Come on. It was none of my business, but the name of Trimutual rang an old familiar bell. Yeah, I'd handled a lot of cases for them. Anyway, she wasted no time in putting through a call to her father's private number in South Bend. Yes, operator? Thank you. I don't know why I didn't go to my own cottage to make this call. Mm, My pleasure. I guess I'm a bit upset by this wire. I don't blame you. There's nothing wrong with Daddy. There can't be. Well, maybe he just made the mistake of mixing too many oysters with too many martinis. Hello? Hello? Daddy, what's this telegram you sent me? Oh. Oh, I see. Oh, well, you had me scared for a few minutes. Oh, yes, fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, if you must know the truth, I have. Johnny Dollar. Uh-oh. Very. Careful, gal. Oh, he says he runs a filling station, but I don't believe him. <laughs> I'll tell you all when you get here. And hurry, darling, please. All right, Daddy. Good night, dear. Oh, thank goodness. You don't know how close your guess was, Johnny. Oh? It was just a slight case of indigestion. Plus the fact he wanted another day at the plant. Well, good. Then let's go back to the dining room and see what kind of indigestion we can accumulate. 
Well, that started it. Three days and nights of as much fun and relaxation as I've had in years. A wonderful place to stay, a private beach that I'll wager a second to none on the Pacific coast. Swimming, water skiing, skin diving, sailing, everything. Oh, this was it. Or so I thought. Oh, why make any bones about it? I'm a sucker for romance. And believe me, it wasn't hard to be serious with one. Johnny. Yeah? This is nice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I... I don't believe in love at first sight. Do you? Uh, no. No, I, um... But it is nice, isn't it? Hey, whoa, gal. Mm-hmm. It'd be much too easy to fall in love with you, Vonnie. And I mean the forever kind. Well, would that be so terrible? You've, you've got one big strike against you, you know. Johnny, what? M-O-N-E-Y, money. <laughs> you lose. Huh? I have nothing. Except what my father gives me. You know, allowance and for clothes and things. and <laughs> You know... So you see, I'm just as poor as you are. Only you aren't. You wouldn't be staying at a place like this. Another thing. You know absolutely nothing about me. <laughs> I know you don't make a living by running any old filling station. Johnny Dollar at the sign of the Flying Red Horse. Oh, stop it. Well, for all you know, I'm a... I'm a gangster, a safecracker, a jewel thief. Mm. Or worse still, playboy scion of a wealthy family who never did a lick of work in his life. In other words, a worthless bum. Don't say that, Johnny, even in fun. Had you fill them, huh? Yes, and their mothers. Old dowagers trying to marry them off to another wealthy family. Add the name Lamar to their end of the social register listing. Insure the fortune with another fortune. I thought you said you were poor. Well, you know what I mean. A bunch of worthless fops, that's all they are. I've seen better men among the servants and chauffeurs, the little Mexican boy who helps one of the gardeners, and the young businessmen there in South Bend and in other cities. Maybe earning just enough to make ends meet, but but men, ambitious, hardworking, willing to get somewhere on their own merit. And, well, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Why don't you marry one of them, Bonnie? It isn't as easy as that, Johnny. You know it. Maybe I was waiting for someone like you to... Mm. I still don't believe in love at first sight. <laughs> Good. Let me snuggle again. Like before we started this horrible discussion. Mm-hmm. Sun's going down, though, honey. And this little niche in the rocks is going to get cold. Yeah, look. Everybody else has left the beach. Come on, snuggle. I like it. <laughs> Kiss me. And I thought I'd have to ask for it. John, Johnny, what do you do? Well, hmm? well, I'll tell you. I live in Hartford, as I told you, and Wait. I'm really... Listen, he's calling you. Yeah, you too. Oh, the spoil sport. Well, maybe it's a word from your dad. Here. Oh, I hope so. Come on, Johnny. Pedro? Pedro? Over here. Here we are. Here. What's up? Oh, senor, senorita. 
Telegrams. Telegrams? But the one for the senor was marked Rush. So I rush. Good boy, Pedro. Here. No, I'll tip you when we get back to the motel. Stop by my cottage. Johnny, it's... What's wrong, Bonnie? It's from our family doctor. I'm afraid... Here, you read it. Sure, I'll be glad to. Regret having to inform you... Your father died a few hours ago. Suggest you return to South Bend immediately. Oh, Johnny! <laughs> it was a few minutes before Vonnie could pull herself together enough to walk from the beach up to her cottage where she could pack her things for the trip back to South Bend. I told her I'd make the necessary plane reservations for her. But what I didn't tell her was the contents of the wire I'd received, the one marked Rush. It was from Pat McCracken at Universal Adjustment Bureau. A request to call him at his home in Hartford immediately. I put through the call. Hello, Pat McCracken. Well, Killjoy, what's on your mind? Johnny? That's right. Hey, you got my wire. Why else do you think I'm calling? I tried to get you long distance all day. Your motel didn't seem to know where you were. Well, that was my doing. They might have spoiled a beautiful romance. But what's on your mind? Uh, Johnny, you've got to cut your vacation short. Oh, no, you don't. And you've got to come back to Hartford right away. What? Now, listen, I'm just... Yes, but plan to make a long stopover in South Bend, Indiana. South Bend? That's right. Oh, I get it. This is a gag. Or did you know I'd figured maybe on stopping over there anyhow? No, I don't know what you're talking about, but now listen. By a rare stroke of luck, we just got word of the death this morning of one of Trimutual's bigger policyholders. How much? A million and a half. <sighs> man named Thomas Rene Lamar. Lamar? Pat! Now listen, Johnny. The circumstances lead us to think it may be murder. Johnny Dollar. I have your party in Hartford, Connecticut now, Mr. Dollar. Oh, thanks. Just a moment, please. Hello, McCracken, Universal Adjustment Bureau. Hi, Pat. Johnny, are you still in La Jolla? Didn't you get my telegram? Sure did, and I'm getting ready to leave for South Bend right now. In the company of a beautiful, charming, lovely... Now look, son, your vacation is over. Charming, lovely girl named Vonnie Lamont. Okay, okay, now will you... What? That's right, Thomas Renee Lamar's daughter... Does she know her father has died? Telegram for her arrived at the same time I received yours. You didn't show her my wire. No. She doesn't know yet that you think it might be murder. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Mr. Patrick McCracken. Following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Lamar matter. Or was it murder? Expense account item one. I'm calling it item one, Pat, because it's really the first tab on the Lamar case. Previous expenses here in La Jolla were charged against the Jolly Roger case. Expenses for the vacation you promised me and have now so rudely interrupted. Item one, $9.60 for that long-distance call to Pat McCracken in Hartford. Now, what under the sun is Vonnie Lamar doing in La Jolla? Vacation? Same as I was trying to take. Now, tell me something, Pat. Uh? Has a claim already been filed on Lamar's million-and-a-half-dollar policy? No claim has been filed. Well, then how'd you know about his death so quickly? Luck, pure and simple. 
The insurance company is Tri-Mutual. Big office in Chicago, headed up by Lawrence Comstock. Oh, sure, and on him for years. Good man. Well, he's written all of Lamar's policies himself. He got to know the old man pretty well. Uh-huh. Personal friends, you know. Weekend golf together, same clubs. And both nuts about two-handed pinochle. So? Well, Comstock had been Lamar's house guest the past few days. And been with him practically every minute the old man wasn't at his plant. Was he actually there when Lamar died? Yes, yes. He was the one who called the doctor when the old man keeled over. Look, you keep referring to him as the old man. Just how old was he? Oh, not too. Uh, let me see. I've got it. Uh, he was 59. The doctor's name on her telegram was Wilson. You know his first name? No, I don't know. That stuff you'll have to get from Comstock there in South Bend. Okay. Well, at any rate, Johnny, he called me the minute the doctor pronounced Lamar dead. And specifically asked that you be put on the case. Yeah, well, that's flattering. Okay, it looks like I am, but tell me something. Yeah? What makes Larry think the man was murdered? I'd rather not discuss it now. He'll, he'll give it to you when you see him. Our plane leaves in about an hour. No doubt you can be of some comfort to the daughter. Hmm? Her knowing that you're handling the case. Pat, that's the one thing I don't want her to know. I hung up leaving Pat to ponder over that last remark, wired Larry Comstock that I was coming and finished my packing for the trip back east. When I'd finished, I paid my bill at the fancy motel, and all I can say is thank goodness it was on expense account, and I knocked on the door of the cottage next to mine. Yes, come in. Oh, Johnny. Hi, Bonnie. Any way I can help you? More than you have. You've been wonderful. Arranging the flight back for me. For us. Taking care of the things here. Johnny. That's right. For us. I'm making the trip with you. But you... I thought you said Hartford, Connecticut. And your vacation. Oh, the vacation's all over. Wouldn't be any fun for me to stay around after this. Oh, darling. And South Bend is along the way. I'd feel better if I kind of took you home rather than let you make the long trip alone under the circumstances. Maybe I have some business or something to attend to there. Darling, I, I don't know what... Easy. Oh, you made it so wonderful. When Daddy couldn't get here these last few days, and now that this terrible thing has happened, to stick by me this way. That's the only way I'd have it. You... You're so wonderful. All right. All right. Come on now. Come on, get your things together. I've called for a cab to the airport in San Diego. Come on, you, Johnny. I love you for this. Sure. I can't say I exactly relish thoughts of the flight back east. Much as I hoped I could be of some small comfort to the girl. Much as I genuinely wanted to. Such things can be pretty rough. Particularly in this instance. But I am an insurance investigator... And in a matter of this sort, a million and a half dollars at stake, the possibility of murder, well, it's up to me to suspect everyone, whether I like it or not. Yeah, I sometimes think it's a pretty rotten racket to be in. Johnny. Sleep, Johnny. Sleep. You'll need all of it you can get before you have to face things at home. I wasn't sleeping. I was just thinking being so thankful that you're here with me. Honey, I wired ahead for a hotel reservation. What? Yep. I'm going to stay in South Bend a few days. You wonderful wonderful... No, no, I'm going to be honest with you. I... 
I also wired a friend of mine, a... Well, a fellow with whom I do business now and then. So I... Well, anyhow, I'll be there for a few days and maybe more, and as long as I can be of any help to you. It's funny. Hmm? You know, you still haven't told me what you do. Well, don't worry about that now. But I'm curious. Tell me. It'll give us something to talk about. Did you wire anyone at your home about your arrival? Yes, Harrison the butler. Johnny. Well, uh, how, how about the doctor who telegraphed you? Yes, Dr. Wilson, too. Honey. Wilson, Wilson. Edward T. Wilson. Now tell me. No. No, now you you stop talking and try to get some rest. But all I'm I... going back to the lounge in the tail section so that you'll have nothing to do but get some sleep. Then you won't tell me. No. Tomorrow. I'll sleep. Thank you, Johnny. No, I... I can, maybe. Yeah, rough. Very rough. I felt like a traitor to her. Well, we landed in Chicago at 10 a.m. and took a cab from the airport to the Lamar home on the outskirts of South Bend. I'd never before realized that the big industrial city with all its huge, dirty, sprawling factories had such a wealthy residential section. And the Lamar home on Parody Lane was one of the most impressive of all, set far back in what must have been an acre of well-kept lawn. In addition to Harrison, the butler, we were met at the door by the housekeeper, cook, upstairs and downstairs, maids, and a couple of other servants, all of them obviously in deep sorrow over the passing of the master of the house. And may I most humbly for all of us express our deepest sympathy in this hour of this... It's all... Thank you, Harrison. Thank you all. I'm going to my room and we'll call you when... Uh, Yes, miss? This is Mr. Dollar. Mr. Dollar. He's to be admitted to the house. Any time he... I'll be here, Vonnie, as soon as possible. And you know where to reach me. Yes, Johnny. Thank you. And now to get to work, whether I liked it or not... I took the cab to the townhouse, dumped my bags, then back to Chicago in the office of Lawrence Comstock, Tri-Mutual's representative. He was waiting for me. Well, Johnny, you sure walked into something this time. Thick one, Larry? You don't know. You don't know the half of it. The million and a half of it. You gave Pat McCracken back in Hartford the idea that Lamar's death might be murder. I think it is. I really think it is, Johnny. Why? Tom Lamar was one of the best friends I ever had. Should have been. Your commission on the insurance he was carrying was enough to set you up for life. Oh, no, Johnny, don't talk like that. Tom was a good friend of mine, quite aside from business. I sold him his very first policy years ago, and he was just a bookkeeper for Atlas Processing Company, earning $70 a week. And when he married Delise... Delise? His wife, who died five years ago. Oh. That policy was only for $2,500, straight life. So? Well, you know how little my commission was on that... But I liked him. I saw that he had a spark about him. That with the proper kind of encouragement, he could go places. And he did. Yeah, so I understand. I understand the Lamar Metal Products is a really big thing. General Metal Fabricators just bought them out. Oh? Yes, and Tom was getting all ready to retire. Spend the rest of his days having fun. Golf, fishing, winters in California, and summers in Minnesota, that sort of thing. And taking care of Vani, his adopted daughter. Yeah. Kind of worth taking care of, too. Eh? I know her, Larry. Met her in La Jolla, California. Oh, then you... Brought her back here to face the sad fact of her father's death. Why, I didn't... Oh, yes, of course. The family doctor, Ed Wilson. I should have realized. 
He sent a telegram to Vani to the same place you were in La Jolla. She's a wonderful girl, John. You're telling me. But, Larry... Yes? Something you told Pat McCracken back in Hartford has led him to think that possibly Thomas Lamar was murdered. John. Johnny, in the years I've known Tom Lamar... Yeah? I've not only known him, but I've known his family. Well? And much of his affairs, personal as well as business. Well? His wife, Delise. I would have married her long ago if I'd been able to. Oh, get to the point, Larry. Oh, yes, of course. And his daughter, LaVon. Vonnie. I wish she'd been my daughter, my child. Come on, Larry, come on, get at it. She's a wonderful girl. You said that. Oh, yes, of course. Well, there were things in her past, Vonnie's past, that even her mother and later her father didn't know about. But I did. For heaven's sake, man, get to the point. You too? Yes, me too. Yeah, me. The confirmed bachelor. Take him or leave him. Have fun. Forget him. Make a big... Come on, Larry. Listen, Johnny. Now, listen carefully. Dr. E.T. Wilson. Ed Wilson. An old friend of mine as well as Tom. Yes? It was Ed who made the last insurance examination. Four months ago. Thomas Rene Lamar was in better health than you are. After all, he was only 59, and he'd lived a careful life, taking good care of himself. Well, go on. We were sure of his physical condition. Sure of it. That's why I let him add to his already large policy. Larry, you've told Pat McCracken, and you've admitted to me that you think Thomas Lamar was murdered. Yes, John. Because of one man. Who? The one man who shared his confidences, business and personal. Yeah? Who was closer to him than even Ed Wilson or me. Well, who? One man who alone could be sure of benefiting by Tom Lamar's death. Oh, look, Larry, that bush you're beating around is getting bigger and bigger. It's so simple, John, so discouragingly simple. All right, all right, Larry, all right. Take it any way you like. I'm here for two reasons. Because I'm assigned to this case and because of Vonnie. Yes, I know. Now, who is it you suspect? The man Vonnie is really in love with. Oh. I'm sorry, John. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, some stuff I didn't want to hear, but I had to. Join us, won't you? Yours truly... Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. I really wonder about Johnny making up a cover story for his vacation. Was this something actually common that people did in the 1950s? Well, it's not something that I would ever do. I can see a couple of reasons why people might do it without a malicious intent. One is if you're in a profession where people might call on you to act in your professional capacity, even though you're on vacation. For example, if you're a doctor on vacation and someone says, Oh, you're a doctor. I've been having this pain in my left knee. Do you know what that might be about? And you just find yourself uh, talking shop. Because people do that. They're like, hey, you're a professional Go ahead and give me your services for free. I can't imagine with an insurance investigator. You know, it's funny you mentioned being an insurance investigator, Johnny. I've got an insurance claim that uh, you might want to investigate while you're in town. And I guess the other one is if you're kind of afraid of being pestered to talk about your job or to tell some exciting details. Though in Johnny's case, it would be easier just to say, I work in insurance. And that would stop anyone from pestering them because they were like, okay, I, I don't want you to try to sell me a policy. One thing that does annoy me a bit on Johnny's behalf is when he is on vacation and the insurance agent gets huffy at not being able to reach or locate Johnny. He's on vacation and he's not actually a regular employee of your company. Of course, it's understandable as to why Johnny is leaving vacation, even if it weren't for the interest he was developing in Vonnie Lamar, the $1.5 million life insurance policy would probably be too much of a commission for him to turn down. I do think that the romantic interest, particularly coming up as quickly as it does, works mainly because of the performances of Bob Bailey and Virginia Gregg. And to an extent, it is believable. Uh, there are a lot of people who are that sort of confirmed bachelor type. And I think this was more true in previous generations, but they are that type. And then they get into a serious relationship and move very fast, uncomfortably so for everybody else who's been through a more typical relationship uh, pattern. But I could definitely see this thing happening with Johnny. Of course, his feelings were kind of driving that final scene uh, where he was getting annoyed at the agent who was taking a very long time to get to the point. But here's the thing. It's like in real life, if you have people who take dramatic pauses, it kind of get, can get you a little bit antsy. And really, when people just, you know, stop talking and pause for effect and leave you hanging as to what you're going to say, that can annoy anybody. And now, uh, listener comments and feedback now, and we start with some comments on the Clinton matter. Rabbit dude, 
writes on Instagram, Great episode, Johnny getting tough and angry, different side of him. I would agree, and I think that the series does a really good job in having Johnny tough and capable of taking care of himself, but not as someone who, like Philo Vance, is just kind of going around looking for an opportunity to fight. Then we have a comment from a listener on YouTube who writes regarding the Fathom 5 matter, Terrific episode. One thing that didn't ring true to me, why is all the action taking place in Miami and Johnny is staying at a hotel in Pompano Beach? I grew up in South Florida, so I know how long it took in the 70s and 80s to get to and from those two points like the back of my hand. Depending on the traffic, an hour on a good day, probably 90 minutes, but in the mid-50s, I don't think there was an Interstate 95 yet. So he would have had to take uh, A1A, uh, so in the 50s, probably a two-hour ride. Scenic, but long. When we first moved to Fort Lauderdale in 68, I was four. I distinctly remember uh, them building a section of I-95 from Commercial Boulevard all the way to either Hollywood or North Miami. In fact, my aunt and uncle lived in North Miami at Ives Dairy Road. There was a traffic light there because there was no highway yet. The section of highway took literal years because they kept running out of money. Why didn't Johnny stay at the Fountain Blue Hotel? Uh, His expense account certainly would have provided for it, and it would have been a lot closer to the action. That's an interesting question. I don't know if I've got an interesting answer for you. Any of you who live in that area might uh, speak better to that. Though in my mind, I don't view the case as being set in one specific location. I think there were multiple places that Johnny drove to uh, in order to question suspects and in order to investigate. So where the ideal location for him to stay would be, I don't know. It may have been a case of trying to include as many cities in Florida as possible without specific regards to what actually would make any sense. Then we have an email from Julie in Georgia who writes regarding the Plantagenet matter. This was a great episode and really kept me intrigued. Who was the girl? It also is good to see Johnny's compassion, but when Johnny said he didn't know anything about her, he forgot that a man she was fighting with in the alley called her Amy. I also vaguely noticed the 32 versus 38 caliber mix-up, but not a big deal. Like live theater, you have to make allowances. I'm totally in love with Bob Bailey's voice, so grateful for your podcast. Keep up the good work, Adam. Well, thank you so much, uh, Julie. And I think that's an interesting uh, comparison. And to enjoy these, you definitely do need to properly consider the circumstances. And I think it's reasonable to have different expectations of more modern products. I mean, if you are making a 10-episode streaming TV show, and you've got a budget of $5 million an episode, and you had months of production, then it's reasonable to expect things to hang together pretty immaculately. Yeah, if you get really technical, you can dig into anything and find 
a bit of a loophole or something like that, but it's reasonable to expect that it's going to be solid throughout. With no real obvious mistakes. With Johnny Dollar, particularly with this serial era, you're putting out an hour of drama every week. And you have a handful of people who are working on it. The writers are writing stories as they get a chance. You can definitely tell that. It's all on a very tight time frame. So you're going to have continuity issues where things don't quite match up. I think it's perfectly fine to notice those things. And there are a lot of these serials that are a lot tighter, that have a lot less holes in the overall plot, and it's also fair to say that those were better than some of the others, because that's the nature of ranking stories. But to me, I really focus on, in terms of my own enjoyment, the overall arc of the story, and which is almost always really good, and the acting, which is the perp. Of course, there are also times where certain details, just because of your personal experience, will irk you more than others. And, such as in the case of the listener who was from Florida and didn't get the geography of the whole story. And, you know, and something random that for me will really bother me when I'm watching more modern stuff is that... Nobody bothers to research how safe deposit boxes work. But I do my best not to give too much weight to the safe deposit box misinformation. And with that, it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Jim, Patreon supporter since May of 2020, currently supporting the program at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Jim. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you are enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those great things that help YouTube channels to grow. We will be back on Friday with the final three episodes of the Lamar Man. Uh, join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... Hold it. Yeah, he's inside, all right. I just heard what sounded like a drawer closing. Franz, open up. Come on, we know you're in there. Franz, open that door immediately. What? What? What is the matter? But... That's what we'd like to know, Buster. <laughs> Why'd you have the door locked just now? Well, what business is this of yours? It could be plenty. Answer the question. In my orders, what is the meaning of this? You gave that old giant a certain scraps of cloth with instructions to burn them when there's an order forbidding all fires. But that's a lie. You didn't give him the scraps of cloth? Yeah, yeah, I gave them to him, but I did not tell him to burn them, only to take them away. Why would I want them burned? That's a good question, and here's another. What are you doing here in the lab when the mill's closed down? I do not have to answer that. Look, Buster... In case you haven't heard, there's a little epidemic going on. We have a hunch somebody's doing their best to spread it. How, we don't know. That's just what we're trying to find out. It so happens that three of the first six people to get sick worked here at the mill. Are you insane? Do you actually think I have anything to do with it? I'll know better when you tell me what you're doing here. 
I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.